to the Neogro podcast where we help you as a student navigate your self-identity, discover what motivates you, and uncover what fears you might have. So the purpose of this podcast is to help celebrate the different ways people operate and to promote peace-building principles to address internal and external conflict. So welcome back. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, I have one of my closest friends, Katie. She's dialing in all the way from Tri-Cities, Washington. Um, so a little bit about me and Katie. We have been uh, best friends for a couple years now. Couple meaning like how many years? Like, I don't know. Maybe four, yeah, five, going on like six. four, five, six years. So there. somewhere around there. So we actually met um, in Tri-Cities. We didn't go to the same high school. We met uh, on a swim team there. Both of, both of us swam competitively our, pretty much our whole lives. Um, so we met on our um, amazing club team, Tri-City Channel Cats. Um, go, go Channel Cats. Um, and we've been friends ever since. So um, Katie is awesome. I'm super excited to be able to talk with her today. Um, she actually lived with me for about six weeks, uh, about a month ago. So she was living with me here in Hawaii um, during that time. And so it was really fun to have her here. We were able to... Um, have a lot of serious conversations and, and we got a lot done despite having um, you know a lot of schoolwork um, surprisingly we, we kind of were hampered with that so um, so yeah it's been it's been about a, how long like a month now since she left Bye. I would say so I think, I think so. a sad month I it's been, the beach yes it's been a sad month but it's been pretty rainy so I haven't missed out on too much, honestly. Today's our first sunny day in a week, so it's been nice. Um, yeah, so so Katie, so tell us a little bit about about yourself, about where you're from, and then we'll start talking. Yeah, um, so I'm excited to talk about this. Um, we are very, very similar people, so I think just living together um, made a lot of things myself more apparent. But who I am, my name's Katie. I use she, her pronouns. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Tri-Cities, Washington, which is like the desert side of Washington. And then the last four years, I've been going to school at the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, so on the west side of the state, which is has a totally different culture vibe. Um, so very pretty. different. I like a lot more. Yeah. I'm by the water. Um, yeah, very very different. Um, I'd say a lot better for, yeah, younger yep. people, too. A lot going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I graduate in June, so we're wrapping up my last few months of undergrad, and then we'll see where that takes me. Yay. I feel like we're at very similar paths in our lives. We're in the same grade, obviously, um, but there's a lot of different um, pathways that I feel like we kind of found ourselves on the same one. Trying to navigate, yes. navigate grad right now and then post grad and um, say that. So I think that's been one of our main conversation um, topics the last few months, talking about that. And um, mm -hmm. what I really appreciate about about Katie and what I appreciate about you is that I've, we talk a lot about I think just everything. I feel like there's no topic that's off the table. Um, and so it's been interesting to, like you said, learn more about. Um, myself, I think through you, and I think through our conversations, and so I'm excited to talk more today um, about a little, maybe a little more specific stuff, or ask some questions that maybe we haven't super 
dug into yet. So um, before we move on, um, tell us a little bit about your major and just tell us a little about your hobbies. I know I kind of told them that you swam and that's a huge that's a huge part of your life. So yeah, what else? What else is about you? Yeah, so I am currently majoring in food systems, nutrition, and health, um, and then I'm minoring in two things, human rights and law societies and justice. Um, so my route, when I say it, people are a little confused, but um, I think my major and combined with my minors, so a lot of my focus is on the concept of food justice, so it's like nutrition and food and public health stuff merged with social justice and the idea that like everyone should have access to like healthy affordable nutritious and culturally relevant food um that's i'm studying i love it i've been working for the last 14 months uh with an organization called international rescue committee um helping refugee and immigrant farmers um, just like gain access to land and they can grow crops that are relevant to their culture and to their families and then also sell them as a way of um, like making some income so that's been like a really cool merging of what I care about and also my studies um, and then hobbies yeah I think swimming ingrained in me that I really need to be like moving mm -hmm. a lot in order to like think straight and focus so I spend a lot of time biking and running and swimming hiking um, I love just being with people, grabbing coffee, grabbing meals, finding just, like, fun new things to do um, that are social or active. So yeah, awesome. I'd say that's what I do. And I also like to read and cook. Those are more chill, I guess. More chill things. Very, very well-rounded person, very holistic. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, yeah, swimming, it's, it's nice to be able to have, I think, something... Um, that used to be very very important to you and now be able to do on your own time and not necessarily in the confines of practice because um, I find that I haven't in a while in a long time but it's nice to be able to go back to those certain things and be able to do them on your own time and in your own ways um, yeah, so yeah and I think too it's been big for me to now swim and swim because I enjoy it and yes. not like swim to achieve something yes I think um, that's huge. and that's been a shift but yep. it's so good yeah I totally agree yeah like not have to not have to have a certain um time at the end of practice or not have to have yeah certain cuts at the end of a month it's so nice to just be able to go in and just kind of let your body fill it out and yeah so thanks for that um I think the key word that you said was achieve not have to worry about um getting to those certain like benchmarks that you want to be at um so i think that's huge yeah thanks for sharing so yeah. like you said you're currently trusted right now but you are um living in seattle um what are your favorite things to do i guess in seattle apart from some of those more hiking swimming things is there anything else that sticks out to you um i would say yeah big thing in seattle is outdoorsiness um so i do a lot of those things in seattle and i love just coffee culture in Seattle, um, so I love going to coffee shops, and Seattle has, like, lots of different pockets of culture throughout it, um, so you can drive, drive about 20 minutes and be um, surrounded by, like, all different types of food and, like, culture, so that's exciting, too, so yeah. I just like to explore, like, either new parks or just new places to, like, eat or go in Seattle, 
um, where I'm like, I'll just never get bored living there. Mm-hmm. I love Seattle. I miss it so much. I've never lived there, yeah. but I love visiting with my family, with my friends. Um, so it's been a while. I mean, actually not a while. I actually just went there in December um, with my friends, really. But it feels like a long time, and especially with COVID, it was obviously shut down, and we kind of just, you know, saw the sights from afar. So, but definitely, yeah. definitely a great city. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. So. Let's talk a little bit more about your experience at UW. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit? I know you just showed your major, um, kind of what you like to do over there. Um, so what, you know, just tell us a little bit about your college experience the last four years. Um, what do you think has shaped you the most going there? Yeah, um, so I would say, well, first I got to UW because I was recruited to row uh, from swimming, and I thought that would be a good school. Um, that's, like, very academic, even though, like, the acceptance rate may not reflect that. Like, to get into your major is pretty competitive. Um, so I'd say entering freshman year and then uh, quitting rowing also during freshman year and realizing that I wasn't at the top academically and I wasn't the best, um, that was a real shock to my identity and humbling in a lot of ways. Um, just, yeah, reminding myself that, like, I'm not defined by those things, and I think, um, someone told me probably sophomore year that, like, college isn't about, like, doing college and, like, going to classes, mm-hmm. but it's so much more about, like, the broader experiences, so say for me, like, I have loved, um, just, like, hanging out with people that are different than I am and learning, um, like, through my, like, faith-based ministry that I'm on social justice team of like very diverse leaders but very different backgrounds and just like hearing their stories has probably been like the most impactful thing for me like coming from my environment that was pretty um just like very much like monochrome everyone Mm -hmm. was pretty similar growing up um so I think that's been like the greatest joy of having college is just meeting people who are very very different than I am and like trying to understand where they come from and I think that's hugely beneficial like going forward and knowing that like I really do value like diversity mm-hmm. and just listening to different stories and walks of life yeah I think that's amazing I think um just you know in our previous um, conversations that we have had um it's been college I think for both of us has been different than what we expected um and I really like your friend's mm-hmm. quote um that's not necessarily about um you know, a, a huge part of it is academics and what you're learning and what you put your time into, but I think the other half is growing so much outside of the classroom. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from, you know, living on your own for the first time or living with people that aren't your family or aren't your close friends. Um, and so it kind of forces you um, to be able to take a step back and appreciate other people's differences um, and learn a lot from that. And so I think. I can definitely agree um, that I have appreciated so much my time in college, um, even though it's been so so different than what I had planned on. I don't think I would have changed it because I've been able to mm-hmm. learn and grow so much. So it's been great. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. I think I want to talk a little bit about because we've had very similar experiences. So I think this podcast will be a little bit different than the other two that I've recorded so far in terms of um, just sharing a lot more from my end as well. 
I think Katie and I have had very similar experiences in terms of um, identity, in terms of that, losing that swim identity, which I think is a huge thing, um, and just having college be a little bit different. Um, so I guess you mentioned a little bit about um, rowing and that first, um, first year um, with swimming and stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and then I can share a little bit from my end and we can move forward. Yeah, um, so I originally quit. I decided not to swim in college because I recognized, uh, like my senior year in high school, that it was very consuming and I did place a lot of my work in it. So if I like added time, then I would just feel awful about myself. Um, and I acknowledge that like that was in a healthy space to be in. But then when I re- like heard from a coach at the University of Washington that they, um, that I should try out rowing and that I would be recruited like from swimming to rowing, I like, convinced myself that it would be different and that my identity like wouldn't be in swimming and it'd be a new experience and I would like be better like well-rounded. And I got there and at the time, um, like the previous year, then they had won the NCAA like national championships. And mm-hmm. so I knew I was coming on to like a very, very um, skilled team with very little experience. But I think it was just hard stepping in there and realizing how many people were there just to row and like not do school or like not do other things. Like I wanted to study abroad. I know you also said that's a big thing for you too. Um, and it was important to me to like find community outside of like my sport. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see that. And I felt myself slipping, being in a very competitive environment like that, I felt myself slipping back into like my old habits a lot of being like consumed mm-hmm. by athletics. Um, so yeah, I was just on the team for six weeks my freshman year and then I stepped away and it was so hard. Mm-hmm. I felt like I should like leave the school, transfer, um, I remember I just like called my parents and I just cried mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know why I'm here um, so yeah I think it definitely shook my identity um, a lot and just like wondering what I cling to I think a big thing though is that I had um, on the guys rowing team there were three guys that I befriended like my first year of freshman year or my first week of freshman year um and they got cut from the boys' team, so they also were going through the similar same thing. <laughs> um, loss of identity, yep. and they still are, like, some of my closest friends today. So I think that was cool to, like, walk through mm-hmm. the space where people were like, ah, what do we do now? Right. Um, like, Emerge from those experiences together and, and just, yeah, kind of re- re-adapt. Yeah, and even just the small things of, like, how do we fill our time? Like, what do we do now that we don't have practice all the time? Which is just funny so and so weird. awkward. Yeah. Well, because when you're, when you're doing something every single day for hours, for years, it, it's like, what else do you do? How do you fill that time or how do you fill that, that void? I know it sounds like sappy, um, but I think a lot of people who have done sports or other hobbies too, that ha- they put a lot of time and effort um, into them can be anything. I think once that is kind of gone or, or taken away or or have chosen to step away from it, it can be um, like in a sense kind of crippling. You you know, I think especially too for certain, you know, Enneagram types or just different personalities too, they really attribute um, 
these different benchmarks of success towards their personal worth and so I think that's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, in terms of sports, it was a huge part um, of my identity. It made me feel accomplished, it made me feel successful, um, and like you said, it, it can turn into um, self-destructive habits where maybe I'm not doing my best and so that, you know, in turn harms me in the long run as well. So it's just kind of this cyclical, um, you know, pattern of needing to do really well, finding this platform or this route that I can, you know, level myself up in a sense. When I'm not doing well, then it kind of crashes down and then repeating that cycle. Um, so I think um, I'm so grateful though for my years swimming. I think it shaped me yeah. in a lot of different ways. Um, but I de yeah, definitely understand um, how when it is tied so closely, attached so tightly to your self-worth and how you um, identify yourself, it can be crumbling when it you know doesn't go your way or when it um, does end up ending prematurely. Um, so that's kind of what happened to me as well. Um, same thing as Katie swam swam pretty much our whole lives and um, and ended up planning on swimming in college which I did so for about a year and a half um, and the swimming aspect of it was awesome I did I think I did really well I pushed myself really hard during those years and I was really grateful to be somewhere where I could continue this and also get a um, get a good education because that was another part that was really important to me and then to have it um, you know it was my decision to to end, so I ended up transferring from that school, um, but with that obviously I had to um, end swimming. And I decided it was in my best interest to uh, not necessarily worry about finding another school that I could swim for. At that time I just needed to find a place where I felt um, accepted and where I felt I could um, be in just a loving community. Um, and so swimming kind of took the back burner, but I'm grateful for that. Um, I think that I needed to end up being here. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things that go into go into these different um, self-identifying factors. Um, so yeah, thanks for thank you for sharing that. So I guess, what do you wish you had known about yourself, Katie, prior to starting university there? Um, I think I just say I was just recently asked in an interview like what would you tell your freshman year self in college mm -hmm. and yeah. I answered that question by just saying I wish I could tell myself like just chill yeah. like allow yourself to rest more mm -hmm. people will like you like because you are you and mm -hmm. you're great um and yeah so I think before college just to like genuinely be like it doesn't matter what you study like don't think about what will bring you like long-term success right. security um and like I just wish I was more open to like allowing myself to hang out more with my friends or like take different classes or discover um like different interests that I had and I think I did that throughout college because it changed my like major probably like seven times yeah like not <laughs> actually even if it was just like for a weekend like okay I'm gonna do business now um and, but I'm like, I think that's good, and I wish I just started that process sooner. Right. Of like, let me just explore different things, even if I feel like I'm going to hate it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Instead of stressing yeah, yourself out cool. throughout the process. Well, can I say, though, I'm so happy and excited for what you have right now. Um, yeah. I think 
you obviously excel in it so much and Katie, if you don't know her, she puts pretty much every like ounce of effort she has into her into what she's doing right now, which is working with um, refugees and working with her different internship stuff and through her classes. Um, so she's very, very dedicated to that and I definitely admire and respect that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for you. I think what you're doing is amazing and um, Katie and I, you know, usually talk a lot about the sort of future in terms of where we see ourselves in our career field um, and wanting to find something that is fulfilling, that's personally fulfilling of course, um, but at the same time is also giving back to other people and in a space where there is healing processes and there's constructive and sustainable um, work going into that as well. So just trying to navigate and juggle our future I think is a very hot topic at the moment for both of us. So I think it's definitely fresh yeah. on our minds. Um, yeah, so thanks for sharing all of that. Um, the next question I have for you before we dive into Enneagram stuff um, Katie, what motivates you in life and what are some of your biggest fears? Just get right into it. Yeah, um, success motivates me, like being perceived by other people that like I am confident and competent at what I do and that like, I guess being seen as like the person who almost has it all together, but like also very like authentic, that's why like strive to be I guess mm -hmm. um, and so it motivates me to have goals and <laughs> to run after that and like have people support me in that and motivates me to like champion other people around me to like achieve their goals like I get excited when everyone is like succeeding together um, yeah and I think I'm definitely very very scared of failure whether that's failing at relationships I know I have a hard time letting go yeah. of people um or like not being liked like that's a big fear of mine and also yeah not being successful and like what I deem as success um which isn't necessarily like financial success for me it just is yeah same thing like being perceived as competent um but I think on the other side of that there also is a fear that like I'll miss out on something that I love because I'm striving to be successful at something else that maybe I don't, like, my heart's not in as much, um, and that's, like, a hard thing to yeah. gauge, but I know we've talked a lot about yes. just success mm -hmm. and talking about the future, and I'm trying to, like, avoid just, <laughs> like, the future-oriented stuff, but it's just so ingrained yeah, into it really who is. I am. Mm -hmm. I think... Yeah. So disclaimer, Katie and I are both the Enneagram type 3, um, and so we, it's very interesting. So another thing that I've talked about as well is that the Enneagram isn't the end-all be-all for personality, for choices, really anything. It's just a great tool to be able to reflect on um, common attributes or core values that do resonate with you. Um, so we talked about that a little bit, um, but what's really fun is that Katie and I, while we do have very similar core um, needs in terms of success oriented and very fear of failure um, definitely oriented towards that um, I think at the same time we are different Katie um, which so yes. it's cool to be <laughs> really yep but it's just it's an interesting thing to see how we both um, I think deep down think and feel the same way about a lot of things um, but again like the Enneagram doesn't 
um, relate to our individual personalities, there's obviously so many different layers. Um, and so in, in the best way possible, I think we are different. So I think it's fun to come together and to, I know when Katie was living with me, there'd be things that would be going on in our house or there's just be little things that kind of pop up and we both look at each other we'd be like, did that kind of like, you know, did that kind of bother you or did that like stress you out? And we'd both be like, yes, it stressed me out. But maybe why it stressed us out was a little bit different, but we both like had that same like instinct of whatever. There's a lot of different examples, but it's fun to be able to come together and just work through things and be like, oh, like for me it was more this, but for you it was more this. But great, we were able to solve it and we were able to figure it out and move forward. Um, so yeah, yeah, so that's that's something that's really fun. I like to be able, it's been interesting to just, I think, learn about ourselves more, learn about each other more, and then recognize that the Neogram tool um, isn't just kind of a band-aid solution for everything. There's so much more that goes beneath the surface. Um, yeah, so that's just a little disclaimer. Um, I think for me, Katie as well, very, um, very similar in terms of what we, um, or I guess the hows and the whys we do what we do. Um, and so we already we already um, dropped the ball that you're a three. Um, how did you come to find out about the three? And then I'll read off some attributes, and then I just want you to kind of elaborate on ones that you really resonate with and why. Um, so yeah, how did you come to find out about the Enneagram? Yes. Um, first, commenting on what you said before, where yeah. I'm like, I could make a list within, like, five minutes of all the ways they're similar and all the yes. ways they're different, yes. and I think they would be, like, pretty equal mm -hmm. <laughs> in my head, um, which is just funny. But, yeah, the Enneagram, I love personality tests, like the Myers-Briggs, um, and whatnot, and <laughs> I think there's, like, a big stereotype of, like, Christian girl Enneagram, yeah, and yeah, I am, like, yeah. pretty entrenched in <laughs> Christian culture, um, in different aspects, I, like, relate to it, um, but, yeah, I don't know directly where I heard about it, but I remember I, like, looked into it, and I took, like, an assessment, um, and I just started, like, reading more about it, and getting books, and talking to, like, my friends about it, and where it just, like, made sense in, like, <laughs> me figuring out, like, oh, yeah, like, this does make sense for me, and I think it allows me to understand myself better, and then also, like, yeah, who I'm around, um, and, like, how to just connect with different people, and, like, just appreciate difference, I think that's what the Enneagram has really helped me yeah. with, about being, like, wow, like, this person has this strength that I do not have, like, what, how cool that I can, like, be on a team with them, and, like, we can bring out different strengths. Yeah. So, it's been so helpful, and we both have also talked about just with, like, family too just navigating like oh I know that they like are like this Enneagram type so I can understand like they're more like core attributes better mm -hmm. yeah I think connection is probably one of the one of my favorite takeaways from it as well like you mentioned um it's such a great resource to be able to find different um like we said yeah connections between each other and to be able to celebrate how people work a little bit differently and recognize, um, you know, what people value in terms of communication, in terms of uh, whatnot. I think it it reminds me a lot of just love languages in general, um, and being able to see someone be like, hey, they really appreciate. Um, like I know mine are quality time and then physical touch are like right up there 
in terms of like more relationship um, and so being able to recognize like hey like she really likes um, communication and open communication and setting time um, together separately from away from other people um, whatever I think it plays a big um, role into the Enneagram as well being able to see someone to say oh hey they're more like this they really appreciate this in this way in this different format or um, they take it a little bit more personally than some other people might with feedback or with criticism um, and so I think like what you said just being able to sit in the environment that you're in whether it's with friends colleagues um, family members and just recognize and appreciate the differences and how to best portray yourself and how to best um, communicate with them so I think it's really great um, yeah so thanks so I'm gonna read um, the book that I've been using a lot of information from is Take Care of Your Type, an Enneagram, uh, Enneagram Guide to Self-Care by Christina S. Wilcox. So, Katie, I'm just going to read a couple of the key buzzwords for Type 3, as well as the core desires and core fears, and then we'll just talk a little bit more about that before we go into any specifics. Um, so, Type 3, so they're typically versatile, motivated, influential, and charming. Um, Fun. So core desires are to feel important, uh, to feel invaluable, and to be successful. And core fears are being worthless, being humiliated, uh, being unimportant, and seen as a loser. And when I was reading that, I don't know why loser made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I don't want to be seen as a loser. That's the biggest fear. Um, so that was funny. Um, so <laughs> ultimate motivations um, is to be affirmed as individuals and to be affirmed in their pursuits to be seen as admirable and impressive in the eyes of others, to be the center of attention, and to be everything they portray themselves to be. Uh, I really like this book. I think she does a great job talking about what it means to be someone who resonates with the type 3. Um, and then the affirmation that she gives us is, I am always worthwhile. So that was just like, wow, that was kind of, I was like, I'm, I am always worthwhile? Like, that's so nice. Um, and so, so reading that, I think I really like how she phrases the ultimate motivations with the keyword of um, affirmed, to be affirmed. So I think a huge part of type three, at least for me, is wanting and like craving that external validation, whether it's from a person or whether it was from a time that I got the swim or whether it's a grade. It, I want and I crave those external rewards and like and signs that I'm like achieving and I'm being successful um, and so in, in a way um, there's a way that can be really healthy if you're living in your best self and you're motivated because you want to be doing those things regardless and then there's the unhealthy side where you push yourself so hard um, to do things that maybe you don't necessarily want to do but just so you can receive the outcome of success um, and so that's for me that's how I interpret it um, I think another part about being a three as well um, is the neat feature of being able to adapt in any situation um, that we're in. I think Katie and I have talked about that a lot. Um, I think a huge part of who I am is being able to, I would consider myself a very empathetic person and I think empathy definitely helps with that, being able to kind of hop around different groups and be able to sit down and connect with them in some way or another. Um, I think that's a great skill that both both of us have um, and I feel like I recognize that especially in high school too just having different groups of friends whether that was you know my swim friends my church friends my school friends 
Um, I think that was like definitely a identifying factor of that, just being able to adapt, and I think better for worse, because part of being an unhealthy three is being fake and being inauthentic and not being true to ourselves. So I think a huge challenge for us is finding out who we really are. And I know I've, I feel like I ask that question for myself quite often, just like, who am I? Um, you know, without these external things like we talked about sports, without having sports, or we're going to be graduating soon, like, who am I without being a student or without going to this college? Um, and so I think that's definitely one of our biggest challenges right now, at least for myself, is recognizing who I really am and who I want to be and really leaning into those values um, and not letting my uh, abilities to kind of shapeshift or like feel like I have to or feel like I am in these situations that require that, but really just standing up for who I am no matter where I am, um, I think is a great thing. So yeah, sorry, sorry for that tangent, but going back to kind of some of those buzzwords again, what are your thoughts? Share, just share a little bit about yourself and how you've recognized yourself as a three. Yeah, I think that all was so good. And yeah, just like having you read those are things that I'd say I'm very proud to be an Enneagram 3. Um, I see it a lot of pertinent, but there are also like some very hard, like, truths that come along in my umbrella of things. So, yeah, like, definitely image conscious and where like I need to feel valued that was one of the words that it said um and I see that a lot when I um I think being in lots of different groups of people that are very different um I feel like I'm needed a lot or Mm -hmm. I need to play a certain role uh for a lot of people and that's like exhausting at times um but at the same point I'm like I like feeling valued um and being affirmed in that um so yeah, I think that's a big thing, and how you said, like, the shape-shifting almost between different people, I also see that as one of my greatest gifts. I can, like, adapt to new environments and new people, um, but I think, like, a really tough truth that I heard um, probably, like, a year ago was one of my roommates that I'm really close with. She, um, I, I tend to, like, talk on the phone or FaceTime on different people, and she mentioned, she's like, Katie, you talk to this group of friends way different than he talked to this group and that was really hard for me as someone who like values authenticity um and I really had to question like am I my true self when I am trying to like mold to be with different people and using that skill um or are there parts of me that's like compromising that to feel valued and known and like accomplished in that setting um so I think though hearing that has made me much more aware of Mm -hmm like trying to be authentic in spaces and to also just grow in humility um, where I don't always need to show off my accomplishments or prove to people what I've done or like who I am that I can like be silent in times or like not have to inflate myself to seek their approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's it's a, been a journey yes. and a constant yeah, struggle. I think that's a huge thing what you just said about not having to like put on um for other people um I think I'm just looking at the book that I'm kind of or I've been reading through um and it reminds me of something that she said about how 
when different friend groups meet for the first time or like you said how your friend kind of like overheard a conversation that you had with another friend group it stresses you out because each friend group typically knows only one side of you um or yeah. they know you in this different state um and so while yeah it's a, it's an amazing i think it's a great skill to have to be adaptable um and to be able to go in different settings and um to be able to I think I have a great habit, and I think you do too, like recognizing where we're needed and what skills that I have that I think I can put towards something, um, whether it's something as trivial as a group project or something at work um, or something, you know, whatever environment that I'm in, whether it's with my family or friends, um, to be able to recognize like, hey, I have this skill and I think it can be put here um, and kind of bounce around and be able to do that. But I definitely appreciate that as a skill. Um, but yeah, it, it can be hard, and while you were talking, I uh, was kind of just laughing and thinking about how we both value authenticity so much. Um, I think I have a good marker for people when they're being inauthentic, and that's something that yeah. I think really frustrates me. Um, but it's interesting because I see myself as being inauthentic sometimes, um, and so I think it's just like recognizing that in other people. Um, but. And at the same time, like, maybe I'm not as frustrated with them being inauthentic. I think it's more towards myself, like, oh, okay, yes, I was not, I was not being as truthful. Um, and I don't think it really, I mean, it can, that can be an unhealthy stage is, like, lying. And I don't think that's necessarily, like, the inauthenticity that we're going for. I think it's really just, um, in a bad way, it can be putting aside our values or putting aside our, um, you know, our true personality or our wants for the sake of, of fitting in or of being able to, yeah, to fit in these different spaces. Um, and so I think a huge part of myself has been, throughout college especially, um, re-figuring out who I am. Um, and I think that's one of the main purposes of the podcast is, is being able to look back now the last four years being in school. And although I feel like I was aware of myself in high school and um, I still appreciated like learning about myself and learning about other people. I think that um, curiosity has definitely grown exponentially while being in college because I have had so much more exposure to amazing and different people. And so recognizing like how can I best fit in this world that I'm going to be participating in for the rest of my life now? Um, how can I um, live, live my truth? as cheesy as that sounds, while also being the authentic version of myself um, to everyone. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Any comments on that? Yeah, I would say too, as you're talking about for yourself, like living into like who you are and truth, like I would say that you are a lot more creative than I am and you that's thrive true. in like spaces where you can be creative and explore more mm -hmm. um, and I think that that comes from like being adaptable and like wanting to try new places but mm -hmm. how that's like just a refreshing environment I think for you to be in and something that I am working on is like uh -huh. allowing myself to be more creative but yeah I definitely resonate with a lot of what you said mm -hmm. just on struggling with authenticity but getting so upset when people mm -hmm. seem fake to me and I feel like I can pick up on it a lot but how um that's a little hypocritical sometimes <laughs> I um, feel like it's the same yeah. like takes one to know one like I think we have we're able to recognize it so quickly because we've been in those same positions ourselves 
Um, and I think the word that goes with it that I just remembered is like self-preservation, like wanting to, yeah. I think it really relates back to like the fears that we do have, um, fear of being inadequate or fear of failure. And so sometimes like when I do feel threatened in that sense, I'm going to like put on this show and I'm going to be brave. I'm putting on a smile. Like you will not see like the flaws in me ever. Um, and so I think that is a huge part of being, you know, obviously a person, um, of course, and then especially just, I think, as well, being a three is um, in addition to that. Yeah, and I think going off of that, too, is that um, some of my, like, really close guy friends, one told me not too long ago, but he's like, Katie, like, you're kind of intimidating. Um, and I think it's, and he was saying it's because I, like, always, give off my best self mm-hmm. and so I've been working a lot on um say like identifying my emotions like when I am putting on a front and trying mm-hmm. to like bring people into that more so like been using the feelings wheel a lot yes just to be like what am I feeling and by sharing what I'm feeling does that like bring people into like a more authentic version Jeez. of themselves because I think when I let down my like need to like seem like I'm the best and superior mm-hmm. and that I'm achieving all things that like that opens up space for like other people to be more vulnerable yeah. and who they are because it makes it like easier to not compare because it's not like oh I'm comparing myself to the girl who seems like she has it all together mm-hmm. so I've been trying really hard and I know yeah that you talked about this too yeah. a lot just trying to be more open um just about our emotions and how that's like beneficial for all people, mm-hmm. which is something that, like, we both care about, like, yeah. making other people welcome. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing, and I, I appreciate, I feel like, our open discussion, and like I said, just over the last few years, like, really getting more in tune with myself. Um, I think that's something so important that I've learned to my time here at BYUI in my major, which is intercultural peace building, uh, learning of the importance of establishing peace within ourselves before we go out and try to do those same things with others um, because of course if you if you're not loving or accepting yourself or I think don't have a great grasp on who you are it can be very difficult and challenging and potentially destructive um, by going out and trying to establish these other things um, when you don't have the quite capacity yet for empathy for yourself so I think there's a huge reason and a huge importance for learning more about yourself and trying to become the best version of yourself, um, not only for, again, not only for yourself because you deserve it as a person, uh, but also for other people as well. Um, if you do want to exist in those spaces of going out and helping others. Um, and I think a huge part too is just establishing peace. Um, establishing peace with yourself um, leads to peace around you, and I think that's a huge thing to learn from the Enneagram as well, just the connection and how interconnected we are, um, how different we are, but how close we are at the same time, how similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's For that. Sure. That's that. So much. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot to learn about. Um, before I ask you a few more questions, um, I have this self-check-in four threes there's all of them are found on instagram the instagram handle is just my neotype which i really love them um but i think this is a great tool and katie i'm sure i've shown this to you i think this is probably one of my favorite ones um but it's just a little spectrum of 
a bunch of different things in terms of body, mind, heart, self, others, um, what drives you. And so for that last one, for a three, um, when we're in our unhealthy state, we're driven by fear of failure. Um, so I think that can relate to a lot of things we've been talking about in terms of authenticity and kind of putting on a show for other people, and which really go, which hurts us in the long run as well. Um, it can be confusing and it can be hard to figure out who we are at the end of the day. Um, and that at the healthiest version of ourselves, we're driven by ambition regardless of outcome. So learning um, that I want to take up this career or I want to take up this job, or Katie said, yeah, I'm wanting to find a career that isn't necessarily, um, you're not going to be getting the most money out of it or what, what not, the most prestige, that you're going to be striving for things regardless of the outcome. So I think that's really very important to know. Yes, I appreciate all your DMs of the <laughs> yeah. Enneagram things over Instagram all the time. Oh, yeah. Or just other quotes that we, the that we relate to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving into specifics, um, can you share a specific example of a conflict that you found yourself in um, with anyone? And again, it can be as trivial as small as possible, it can be a larger conflict um, that happened over time. Um, and then the second part to that question is what do you think you maybe could have done better to see the person as a person? Um, yeah, so that the person as a person is another thing that I've learned over the few years and it just means recognizing um, yourself as a person and also the, uh, the being in front of you as somebody that has their own thoughts and opinions um, and emotions. Um, so yeah, so that question, go for it. Yeah, um, I think one that came to mind about, yeah, conflict management, I think that Enneagram has helped me a lot, um, with conflict management, for sure. Um, one of my roommates, she had to move out for COVID, um, and love her dearly, she's one of my good friends, and she is moving back, um, actually next week after being gone for seven months, and I was, like, living in her room by myself, like, while she was gone, and I'm paying more rent, um, just, like, to help her out, uh, in this time, and then I'm going back to sharing a room, and she's moving in, and we definitely had lots of mixed expectations and poor communication, where she wanted to move in on the 23rd, but I was under the impression that, like, I wasn't moving out till April 1st, um, and I think part of me and my Enneagram threeness is where I'm like sometimes it's hard for me to accept right away that like maybe I'm not paying attention to like a particular side um or like in it I was like no like I could validate why I was right but it was so hard for me to see like where she was coming from and why she wanted to move in early um and then everything was over text for a while and if someone was reading it who didn't know like the two of us they wouldn't even have assumed that we were friends like it was just like very like point blank communication yeah yeah like I said it to you just not great um and then like I FaceTimed her and took a deep breath and just like acknowledged like I learned um recently from someone uh like when approaching conflict is to understand that like both person is never fully in the right mm -hmm. and like keeping that in mind humbled myself where I was able to um, like 
solve it by being like, here's what I can do. Here are the things that I can move out of that room. Um, and, like, I'm sorry that, like, we didn't communicate this better, like, a while ago. Um, and just, like, talking to our face, like, face-to-face over a screen. But it was just better to, like, gauge where she was at and to, like, use language of, like, oh, like, see, I thought you were saying this, or I interpret it this way. Um, and, like, using I statements and really trying to understand, like, take, I guess, the biggest thing I learned was, like, I need to take fault for, like, my own shortcomings of things. Um, and I think that that's something that I will do in the future more. And she's an Enneagram 8, so very... Um, point blank, mm-hmm. straightforward, doesn't show a lot of emotion. So I think, yeah, I just could have handled it better at the beginning, but then eventually learning, like, I need to humble myself sometimes while also still, like, setting boundaries mm-hmm. and not completely, like, succumbing to things that I still care about um, in an effort to, like, be liked and accepted. So definitely a growing point, yeah, but definitely. I mean, everyone has roommate issues. Well, most people do. So that's just a very basic one. Very, very, I feel like that's a huge part of college, too, is being able to recognize... I keep using that one word, recognize. Um, but being able to just see people um, past, like, what you see them in that moment, um, just thinking about other things or other stressors that are going on in their life. I think roommates, that's a huge thing to learn about in college, for sure. And... and there's a lot of growth to be done in that area um so thanks thanks for sharing that example um I think that's yeah a great example of how it can like kind of what to do and what not to but and at the same time like being um yourself and setting up those boundaries too that's very very important there comes a point where um I think boundaries are necessary um and there's a fine line between being um, too cold and calculating, um, and at the same time, having those boundaries for yourself, um, yeah, anyways, yeah, thanks for sharing, um, the next question I have for you, is there a specific example that you have of how the Enneagram has helped you better understand yourself or others, um, that kind of goes into a lot of what we talked about, um, but is there anything else, a specific time, um, or person, um, yeah. Do you have anything? Yeah, I think so much about myself. Say, there's one quote that I heard, um, a few months ago, which I think I told you, but just so everyone else hears it, Mm -hmm. and it said, being an Enneagram 3 in the United States is like an alcoholic living above a saloon, in the way that, like, in my striving for success, like, the United States that like perfect environment yeah like I am in that environment that allows me to do that to an unhealthy extent and then like that culture rewards me for like spreading myself thin Mm -hmm. and like continuing to strive and strive and strive until you burn out which is a huge part yeah for sure And, and then burning out so um knowing that and even just like how I'll write things in my planner on when I'm going to get things done and I like stopping the Enneagram thing you realize too as someone who strives like that being a characteristic of a three um that like if I pause and ask myself like why do I feel the need to get these things done right now like who is telling me that 
or anyone telling me that, and I found that a lot of things that I, like, push for are just myself um, setting my own expectations. So it's been so, the Enneagram has been so healthy for me to recognize, like, wow, I really strive off of success, and I am in an unhealthy environment sometimes that feeds that and sees that as a good thing, when it can be a very good thing, but also can be, like, (laughs) destructive, like you said, like, cause burnout, so Mm -hmm. I think that a big part of me is knowing, like, wow, like, I do really well if I carve out time for myself, um, to, like, be still or exercise or do things where I don't have to meet any expectations or anyone's expectations. So I think understanding the Enneagram has made me understand me more and how, like, I can bring my best self to other areas of my life and then how I can, like, communicate clearly with people that are close to me. Like, here are my tendencies, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses, um, and that's just great. Like, that's great for people to learn how to communicate who they are. Um, it just helps so much. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think um, Katie and I have had a lot of conversations. I know that we have about, especially in the last year in terms of COVID, um, just this culture of never-ending work and, like, just trying and just this environment, this kind of almost cutthroat environment of, you know, look at this person next to you, like, this is what they're doing, um, this is where you should be, um, and just having kind of, like, the rest of your life mapped out um, in terms of, you know, the 9 to 5 um, with no, with not a lot of empathy and not a lot of um, extra time to be able to spend you know, sitting in whatever emotion that you're in, whatever mental state that you're in, um, even just being around families, being surrounded by nature. Um, so I think, I, yeah, I remember you sending that quote, and I was like, wow, that's so true. Like, I am in this environment that feeds into my tendencies of need for success and major fear of failure. Um, and just this, that constant comparison um, of the person next to me, what are they doing? And this is where you should be. Um, and so I think it's been helpful in recognizing, like you said, just my strengths and weaknesses and that I can separate like who I am from what I'm doing. I think it's been like the biggest thing. Um, and realizing like what, like every time I wake up that my day is not, um, like the success of my day and also how my day goes is not dictated by how much I get done or, you know, so I think that's been very helpful right now especially I think too just like growing up and recognizing how um like what life expects you or the environment or the society that you're in of what that expects of you I think that bubble has definitely burst in the last um year or so so I think just taking, taking time for ourselves um realizing who we are without the you know the degree or who we are without the specific friend group or you know whatever whatever award we're trying to achieve in our life um so yeah thank you for sharing is there before we move on to something very important we're going to talk a little bit about self-care um some mindfulness techniques specific to type threes um before we move on though are there any current conflicts in your life right now that you think you could apply these principles to um of course like there's things that are always going to be ongoing, and I, and I appreciate you talking about how right now um, recognizing the society that you're in and how that pushes you or motivates you one way or the other. Um, is there anything else that kind of comes to mind with that question? Yeah, um, 
for sure. Like, I think when we were briefly, which will tie in well into self-care, but, um, like, for both of us, being, like, pretty disciplined and having, like, an agenda and things, like, it's easy to get burned out. And right now, say one of my roommates um, had a very close family member pass away um, just a few days ago, and where she needs support, and I, by all means, will support her because I love her. And um, someone actually in an interview told me a few days ago over there, like, I found that Enneagram 3s have this unique super power where they have, like, the biggest heart. Like, they're so full of passion and, like, pursue what they do, like, very fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that in you, too, things that you care about and do. Um, but just, it's, like, in that, even, like, striving to care for people aspect, um, I need to, like, remind myself, like, that I need to take care of myself so I can care for others Mm -hmm. and bring my best self in a thing, so, um, yeah, and I think that looks different in different spaces, where sometimes, for me, that's doing yoga, sometimes it's being still, or even, like, watching a show, and other times it's running as hard as I can, um, so, yeah, I think it just is a matter of, like, knowing myself and knowing that, like, this is a hard time um for me and my housemates right now and just figuring out like okay let me like remain holistically healthy so I can like be a better caregiver Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge aspect of mental health and learning how to be mindful and learning how to take care of others um I think a huge step is like you said learning how to take care of yourself so that you are able to take care of others and I think that plays right into um aspects of maintaining inner peace and getting to know ourselves better uh, because in doing so we'll be able to take care of our self emotionally and physically mentally spiritually all those all those different aspects um so yeah I think that's super important so thank you for sharing that um I'm just gonna read a little bit out of the book again the one by Christina Wilcox about why threes specifically need self-care um but again i would encourage you if you're not a type three um or not quite sure where you are yet um if any of these resonate with you um try them out they're not necessarily like i said they're not necessarily bubble baths and candles um it's a little bit more abstract um some of them are more tangible but anyways nonetheless i think they're super important for um everyone So specifically, why threes need self-care. We seek likability and value above all else, sometimes at the cost of being connected to our true self and true emotions. We ultimately want to have the attention and admiration of those in their world, and this desire can sometimes cause us to miss out on the togetherness and steadiness that already surrounds us, even if it doesn't involve what they deem to be successful. So we can end up living overly planned, disconnected, and superficial lives, and I laugh because I think that's so true, uh, if, they, if we don't take care of ourselves. So we need self-care so that we can actually achieve our personal goals and aspirations while also experiencing life and community fully as our authentic self. So the, through the practice of self-care and reflections, we can discover that we're not defined by our milestone, milestones or our peers. In fact, we'll become more community-oriented and grounded individuals. And I think that's something that's so important to me and like you said just very passionate about community and passionate about my friends and also passionate about like learning about how I can root myself and better myself in order to go out into the world 
um, and do what I want to do. Um, and so there's just two that really stuck out to me. Uh, if you have a chance to read the book, it's really interesting. I like gay. It goes over every single type. Um, and then at the very end of each, um, of each one, it talks about how you can better love someone or better show um, uh, how to take, uh, yeah, sorry, take care of the type in your life. Um, okay, so self-care practices for type three. The one that one of the ones that stuck out to me, especially in our conversation, Katie, was you may never get someone's approval, and that's okay. Um, I think that's a huge thing that I've tried to learn and have, um, you know, tried to overcome. And that can be anyone. That can be an authority figure, someone you look up to. That can be maybe a friend or and really anyone in your life. Um, and so I'll just kind of gloss over this again, and then. Um, Katie, let me know if this sticks out to you at all. Um, but because we're dedica we dedicate our time to becoming expert at things, we think people want them to be experts at. So we ride the escalator of success that's placed on by others or by ourselves, but it sucks the passion out of everything we do. It can also take a toll on our self-esteem. So that is, although type 3s may seem really self-assured on the outside, underneath that layer of confidence is the insecurity of not being enough the feeling that they're meant only to achieve and be approved by others. But type 3, and this is the author, she says, I want you to know that you are talented and that's okay to think you're talented. It's okay to think that when you offer and what you offer is valuable. And the approval and that information may never come. You might never hear that particular person give you the yes or the wow you're looking for and that's okay too. So the second you stop living for others, admiration and approval is the second you'll truly start to live. So let yourself be free. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that, Katie? Yeah, I love the emphasis on free. Um, I think that there's so much, like, benefit, yeah, just taking time for ourselves to, like, pursue what we want. And, yeah, how, like, another key word is enough. And that's something that in, like, my process of self-care is that I need to, um, or not I need to, but, like, I'm working on just accepting that, like, I am enough regardless of, like, what people think of me or what I accomplish, um, just, like, as is in the moment, like, I am enough and I am whole, and that's just, like, a hard thing sometimes to grasp, but, yeah, especially when you're saying, like, just accepting the fact that not everyone will approve of you, such a big thing, mm -hmm. and I think, um, it's very helpful for me to get rejected in understanding that, um, whether that's, like, professionally or just people not clicking with me um but yeah there's just so much benefit to finding time to like reconnect with yourself and also yeah. I think self-care um helps for both of us just like remind ourselves like what we're passionate about and like why we are striving for what we're striving mm -hmm. for um and that's what I found a lot of meaning in it it's just like giving me time to think about my purpose behind what I'm doing um, which is so good. Yeah, so, I, like, so good. I like that word purpose. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this amazing um, contribution from ourselves to society. It can be smaller things and smaller ways that we can um, provide for people around us or help or, you know, fulfill our passions in one way or another. Um, so I really like that word. Um, the second one that I found that I think goes well with what we've also talked about so far. Um, it's called Devote Yourself to Real Authenticity. Um, and so we talked Ooh. about the healthy and the unhealthy. Um, so this one's interesting. I think this one really gets to me um, personally. So we'll just read through it again. 
Um, so when, when threes are in their unhealthy state, we're prone to being incredibly narcissistic. Um, and that is kind of a disclaimer, narcissism is completely separate. Um, but we can be, um, yeah, focusing in, in tune with more ourselves than the outside world. So the reason for this being is that type threes, though they might not seem like it, we're actually very highly emotional beings. Um, I can attest to that. I feel like while I might not like to show my emotions a lot, um, while I don't necessarily care for the outside world to see the many different emotions that I have, I would definitely classify myself as being highly emotional in the best way um, okay. possible, uh, of course. Um, and so they're constantly retaining and processing the emotions of others around them as they strive to be unaffected by them. Sometimes the people they love or admire expect an emotional response from them, and type 3s can seem incredibly emotional and authentic in the moment, even when they are not. The scariest part of this, though, is that a lot of type 3s don't even realize they engage with this false sense of feeling. The speed at which a type 3 can suppress their emotions is unmatched. I think that's <laughs> very true. So because of achievers still want to be people who, ex uh, who people expect and admire, they perform in a way. You're emotionally there, but you're not actually there. This can be extremely hurtful and confusing to so many other types, and many achievers don't even realize they're engaging in this behavior. Chances are type 3s aren't doing this intentionally. The pace they function at is so fast that it takes a long time for them to process what's happening and how they feel about it. If you're a type 3 and can relate to everything I'm saying, I want to challenge you to devote yourself to real authenticity, not the authenticity you think everyone wants from you, and to feel real, to really feel and share the actual raw, ugly emotions you're experiencing on the inside. I mean it when I say it's a type 3's life's work. It won't get easier, but you can become more aware. Um, I definitely have some thoughts on that, but um, do you want to share anything that came to mind while reading that? Yeah, um, I think first you are way better at connecting with your emotions. <laughs> I think emotions are a great thing. Um, yeah, it's such a skill that at least I grew up believing in mm -hmm. my environment that like maybe that wasn't always a good thing. Um, but yeah, like what I said about the feelings wheel, like so helpful in naming my emotions. And I think a big thing, like <laughs> um, recommend counseling for everyone mm -hmm. but my counselor said like do you know that you smile when you talk about hard things and I think that's just like a part of the reality of who I am and my threeness is that I can like intellectually process through hard things and not let them they hold me back from achieving things because mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes and both of us we talked about this before but like say if I'm sad or angry I can feel like that those emotions are holding me back from like achieving something I want to and that yeah. they're annoying and a pain and like a nuisance when in reality like it's so critical in a part of life um and I think when I like get in touch with my emotions then I'm yeah just more whole and I understand um like the value and purpose behind what I do what I do a lot more um and that also comes when you said like naturally driven in like narcissism but for me to just also grow in humility as I learn to process my emotions mm -hmm. and understand like I don't always need to be with it and like that's okay yeah I I really like what you said and I really like this section I think it kind of summarizes a lot of things that I can work on um more at the same time um and also highlight some things that I think I have gotten better at over the years um but similar to kind of like your story with the whole smiling things, um, like smiling through the pain, I think that 
can relate a lot to our tendencies of physical burnout. I think there's such thing as emotional burnout and emotional um, like purging in a sense, just like having it all kind of come out at once. And so I think there's an importance of um, when things happen, just to kind of like let them, let yourself sit in those emotions um, so you don't emotionally or physically burn out. Because um, it can not only affect yourself, of course, that's not a, a healthy way to be able to cope with these heavy emotions, but it can also affect others. And so I think this section is great in highlighting how um, other people might perceive this inauthentic uh, reaction to certain things. Um, so I, I myself, not only through the process of learning about other people and learning about their own types or their own tendencies, their core values and what they appreciate, is also learning how to best, um, yeah, just react with them or let them sit in their own emotions. Um, I think that's a huge, a huge skill to be able to have as a person. I think obviously as a friend. Um, I think as we get older too, like potentially with our partners or with you know our uh, future family, in our careers, um, the people that we'll come across, um, just in life as well. So I think that's a great. Um, skilled people to have to sit in real authenticity um, yeah so those yeah. are like heavy self-care things um, there's definitely some that are just like you know easy there's one that's like crying like just let it out um, there's one that's just like laugh just like laugh at yourself just like be kind to yourself um, I think there's a hu huge part about three being three and also just essentially being a perfectionist um, or just being hard on yourself um, I think there's that external fear of not living up to your expectations or not living up to other people's expectations and while at the same time I think there's that internal, internalized fear of not living up to your own expectations. Um, for example, I remember when I was younger I would never set goals because I was so afraid that I would never reach my goals. I was too scared that I would look back and recognize and realize that I did not like achieve that. And so I never set goals for myself. Um, you, like as a kid, so even like with swimming, when we'd have our year or like our yearly meeting where we'd like talk about what what we hope to accomplish that year, I would I would cheat myself out. I would say I want to go this time, knowing that I was like half a second away from it, because I was paralyzed by this fear <laughs> of, of personal failure. And even though no one ever saw that she besides me and besides maybe my coach, I was too scared. And so growing and realizing that it's okay for me to set like accomplishments or it's okay for me to want to set different things for myself um, and recognizing that it's okay if I don't meet them and so overcoming that like very very internal fear of failure um, I think has definitely allowed me to just be able to just chill I think that's the biggest thing is just like chill out and to, like be okay and to pick up other things that interest me um, yeah anyways that's my little a little tangent. Well, um, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, I didn't know that about you. I mean, very, so very trivial. Or, like, even, like, New Year's Eve goals, like, with our family. Like, what do you want to do this year? They'd be so bland. They would be so just dumb. Um, it would be, like, hang out with a friend once a month. Like, I'm not kidding. I, like, looked at some of them. Like, just very easy. Because I was so scared. I did not want to disappoint myself. Um, and, again, no one else was going to see that piece of paper but me. So, anyways. Yeah. anyways Interesting, so. <laughs> like, brief comment on that, because where I see, like, our similarities for our differences, mm -hmm. but say I was set big 
goals, but I wouldn't tell anyone until I achieved them. Yes, yes, I, yes. I, like, feared other people. Yep. Being like, oh, you tried that and you mm-hmm. failed, like, therefore Ow. you're a failure. So yeah. I could internally be like, this is what I want to do, but I would not dare share Share them. them. Yeah. Until I accomplished yep. them. Yep, I think that's a huge thing, like, anything that I would try and do... Um, I think, of course, I just reflecting on, like, childhood, like, school was there, but there wasn't anything, like, in school, I guess, that, like, really tried for besides, like, maybe try to get a good grade on something, so I'm really just pulling from, like, swimming a lot this, uh, podcast. Um, but yeah, if there's, like, a time that I wanted to go, of course, like, I would not share, like you said, until after the fact. Um, because I was, yeah, just so scared of failing, and so I think the Enneagram has definitely helped me um, learn how to separate, um, I think those fear of failures, um, and I think a lot, something that me and Katie talk about a lot is using, how do you phrase it again, how do we phrase it, like, using things to our advantage, I guess, if that's, like, not, that's not the right way, but kind of, like, shifting things to, like, work for us, and using different weaknesses that I might have, using different events that have happened that, like, kind of sucked, or, like, have caused me different types of emotional pain, using that to my advantage and, like, motivating that for myself. So I think that's been a huge lesson that I've learned is, like, taking these challenges and not necessarily, like, overcoming them, but yes, overcoming them, but using them to be able to strengthen me or to guide me in different directions, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for all of answering all of the questions and all of your different insights um so last few few comments um what how do you think you can apply what the enneagram teaches us towards your personal life moving forward I know that's kind of a heavy question yeah I think it makes me way more aware of my strengths and my pitfalls and I think just uh, the Enneagram gives me the language behind those things that I've always knew have existed, but that I haven't had, like, the words to put it towards. Mm-hmm. So I think just, like, moving forward, um, especially in this process of seeking next steps and applying the jobs and positions, I can clearly be like, here's what I am and here's what I'm not. So I can say, like, I'm a natural-born striver. I value efficiency. I see a greater vision for things, and I champion my teammates to get there. But with that also comes that I miss out on a lot of details. I'm impatient. (laughs) And just all these other things. Like, I get caught up in things. I get frustrated easily, um, like when other people aren't on the same page Mm -hmm. with efficiency. Um, So, yeah, I think that Enneagram just helps me in this next stage of life to really set the boundaries and say here's what I am confidently and here's things that I am not and that I will not try and be because I'm not right um, and being and okay with that so beneficial yeah yeah that's huge I think that's so important um and like we said too just pretty much in every aspect not necessarily even careers just but like finding where your like innate skills and things that you've worked on to achieve or to become better at can fit in these different spaces and I think that's a huge part just of being self-aware and knowing knowing how you communicate with people I think that's a huge key um all right so last few questions before we um, are done but do you believe you've gained a better understanding of yourself 
um, just through this conversation or through other research? And then keywords, do you think you've um, learned how to practice empathy or curiosity towards others throughout the process as well? And do you have any specific examples or stories? Yeah, um, I think this has been super helpful, and I know we've had so many conversations. Yeah, about we really we have our natural like leanings and tendencies, yeah. but it's just fun to talk through, um, and especially how it relates to like conflict and where we are currently um, in this stage of life and how we go through being our authentic selves, but have like a lot to bring to the world, um, just as we are without us even like putting out the front. So. I think it's helpful, the yeah. Enneagram. I can rave on and on about it, in, <laughs> but also in my own spaces where I'm like, oh, well, I don't really know if these people are that jazzed about the Enneagram, right. so maybe I won't with them. Yeah. But, you know, three tendency, mm-hmm. but I just love it, and I think that it's helpful, um, and I just love you and talking to you Aww. about all the things. Love you too. So kind. Um, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I think, like you said, too, like, um, I think what we learn or what we work on, too, apart from the Enneagram, is just as important, and um, that doesn't necessarily have to apply, but it's kind of those key words that, or key phrases that I have recognized within myself, but not necessarily were able to, like, pinpoint or have, like, a specific word for that, um, so I think that's super, it's just been very beneficial in getting to know myself better. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Do you have any other insights, any other conversations that you want to talk about before we end? Um, I love just the phrase that you said too about like, I don't need approval from others. Just like, oh, that feels like, a, like if I say so it, nice. it, then it just feels like a weight is just lifted yeah. off my chest. Like, wow, I don't need that. Um, yeah, yeah, I love the affirmation that she says, like, I am worthwhile. I think I'll just like be telling myself that the next like a little bit as I graduate just like I am worthwhile um I think that's great and there's so many different things that I think we could talk about um in turn with involving the Enneagram involving just like self-care and mindfulness and I don't know there's just a lot of different layers um so it's been it's very fun to just be able to peel back and and look at those different things and in terms of relationships in terms of just pretty much everything so yeah so much we could talk about but I'm really glad um, we had this discussion today I think learned a lot from you I feel like I always learn a lot Um, like I said too it's fun to just have a conversation with someone that you're very similar with in so many different ways um, and also very different so I just appreciate that yes yes all right well thank you again Katie (laughs) I miss you yes Miss you already. Um, Glad I could be on the Enya Girl podcast. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Too kind. Um, So yeah, stay tuned. I'll send you the link if you want to share it with your (laughs) with anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. My link will probably just go to my mom. I think that's pretty much it. So, (laughs) so no worries on that. All right. I'm going to end it. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for a few more coming on later. Um, yeah, thanks for listening today. Bye.